This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red. A Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham AFC podcast with myself, Rich Fay, and with Nathan Soul. It's a bumper pod this week. We'll give you all the latest on the transfer rumours and circulations around the racecourse ground. Players we've heard could be coming, players who maybe are a few steps away from coming to the racecourse, and others who are maybe a bit more fanciful and pipe dreams at this stage. We're going to read some of your emails as well. Thank you very much for sending them, as always, robryanred at gmail.com. Look ahead to Wrexham's return to action as well. Of course, Yeovil Town away and a home double header against Maidenhead and Grimsby. And we'll hear from Elliot Jackson about the trip of the Mariners next Tuesday night. A few familiar faces in their lineup. And, of course, we'll finish this pod by looking at the results, where Wrexham stand and all your thoughts on where the season will go yet. We asked you all on social media, so stay tuned for that. We will read out as many as we can get through. Nath, what a week. We've got a lot to get through. How are you doing? Yes, I'm good. Uh, I, I would have been better with a few signings, probably, and maybe a midfielder or two. But alas, here we are, another another podcast. Thanks very quickly before I we get on to this week's pod, Rich. Thanks for all the nice messages about my chat with Jamie Tolley. You know, that was a brilliant chat and... A lot of fun to do was high on the priority list in terms of what people wanted. So if you haven't heard that one, do go back, go listen to the back catalogue. Lots of kind of time to to go back and listen to these interviews. But right now, Rich, it's all about right now transfers where we are. You know, we've had a bit of a hiatus, to say the least, since that Notts County away game on January 2nd. You know, we haven't had a league game until coming up against Yeovil on Saturday and yet. No new faces. We've had one go out, which you revealed the news about. Devontae Redmond off to Kidderminster. He was, wasn't getting a look in. But, you know, that is a midfielder gone. And so far, no no new faces. So it, it's an interesting one. But I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good in myself. Yeah, like you said, it's been very busy. 
the mood could change quickly, couldn't it, when we finally get that tweet notification from Wrexham to say someone has signed, and then we immediately can go to Wikipedia, see what their goal ratio is like in league matches, and then all say they're, they're arguably a flop or a, a sensational signing just from that, really. That's what you love about the transfer window. And yeah, for me, it's just been very anticlimactic. You know, big things were promised this month. Of course, we're the only team who have the stipulations and have to go through the the sort of, you know, those hoops of signing players this month and that then that's it. You know, that's how it feels. You know, this is our one shot to put things right this season now and things haven't been good enough. We're still so... Like we're still such a thin squad, I feel, in a way, which is odd because we've got so many players, but the ones who are actually playing and who are actually getting chances anyway, you know, there's so many players on the periphery who just don't seem to ever even get into matchday squads at the moment. And you still feel that we're over-reliant on that core group of players. And yeah, by this time, I was expecting to be boasting two or three new signings. But as it stands at the time of recording, there is none. Of course, we had that interview in the leader with Sean Harvey this week, insisting that chances were still a priority. Lots of hard work going on behind the scenes. And NAIF fans will be desperate to hear the names, won't they? And I guess... Should we try and maybe go through a few of them one by one? Obviously, we can't cover every single player, but where do you want to start off with on this pod? I think probably the one to, to start off with is Ollie Palmer because that is a player that Parkinson, we know Parkinson went down to Milton Keynes to watch him and Alex Woodyard potentially, but I don't think that, that deal has legs in it and they could be famous last words. But from my understanding, Alex Woodyard is looking up and not down as he's trying to, to get sort of uh, a move up the ladder is a little bit younger than Palmer and, and maybe isn't looking for it just you know isn't looking for a financial decision right now um Palmer he turns 30 on Friday January 21st so happy birthday in advance if he does come and sign for us if not then I retract all my birthday wishes I only give birthday wishes to signings and potential signings rich um but yeah Ollie Palmer what from my understanding my conversations I've had a lot of conversations this week about Ollie Palmer and this talk of a bid that went in, 180,000. Know, the person I spoke to did say it was a six-figure bid. Um, they didn't They didn't need to go into the specifics. 180 is the figure out there. As far as I'm aware, at the time of this recording, on, on the Wednesday, January 19th, that bid hasn't been rejected or declined. Um, that is just sort of hanging there and, and is being considered because what you have to understand is He's one of a core group of sort of four attacking players at Wimbledon AFC or AFC Wimbledon, pardon me, and um, and, and they would need a replacement, and they're not necessarily easy to find in this month as January. You know, Richard, it's a tricky month. So, from my understanding, look, it is something he would be open to a move. He's a Wimbledon lad, and and he's and he's not pushing to move. He would be open to the move, but at the end of the day, it would take a sizable financial package. Is is what I was told in terms of. You know, it would need, obviously, he would have to move. He'd have to move immediately. He lives in South London. We'd have to move. And, you know, it's also it's also a drop of two divisions. The The mood around that deal is that it, it's, you know, it's not completely ruled out. It wasn't, I wasn't scoffed at when I put the, the name to somebody. And so, yeah, he clearly is a target. What I would say is people around him are perhaps a little bit concerned that it's a red herring uh, in pursuit of Vadine Oliver uh, at Gillingham. So, look, Oliver, Ollie Palmer, conversations were had over the weekend when Wrexham were playing Folkestone in the FA Trophy. Conversations were had Parkinson over the weekend. Was at Wimbledon 
recently, yeah. wasn't he? Was it two weeks yeah, ago, a week ago? Yeah, a week, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. It, what I would, yeah, maybe not even that. But what I would say is conversations were had over the weekend and I was told that things had progressed. Now, again, nothing, for as far as I'm aware, nothing has happened since then. That conversation was around Monday. So we're now on to the Wednesdays. We record this and out on the Thursday. It's one to keep an eye on. I think there, there is an acknowledgement of the interest. And and what I would say is I, I've also gone through Wimbledon's accounts, Rich, which you can read for yourself on Company's House for anyone who's kind of nerdy uh, like me. But what I would say is in in their sort of statement, their financial statement, it is actually quite interesting. Um, and I, and I you know kind of I'm based near the club now, so it is one that I I track closely. What I would say is this in their financial statement, it says starts out financial performance. So it says the operating loss is significant. Okay, so that already sets the tone, the operating loss, and has placed strain on the cash reserves. You've got to look at it and go, you know, that they've got an operating income that they've had from the government support and, and various other things. What I would say about Wimbledon is someone who was in the players' lounge at the weekend told me that the mood in there at the club is that they are in need of cash. And so, you know, a £180,000 bid for a player that, I've seen people say that Oli Palmer has six months left on his deal. What isn't factored into that is that there is a team option there until he essentially has 18 months left on his deal. Um, and so what I would look at that is, yes, that's not been triggered, but that will get triggered. And it's essentially you're, you'd be buying him out of an 18-month contract. So I'd, unfortunately, I don't have any better news to bring you on that front, Rich. Stryker is the priority still, but Oli Palmer, that one could go either way. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, there's so many, so, so much mitigation in it. And of course, every player has his price, particularly when it's only, I say, only sort of a League One player. But it is true to an extent, isn't it? I mean, Ollie Palmer, even if he was come to Wrexham, he maybe isn't even the signing who would transform our season and necessarily make our fortunes better. I know most fans, when we when we did quiz them, were saying they wanted the, the midfielder. Of course, with the injury news recently, striker has, has become the priority, really. And like I said, Oli Palmer, one to watch, but maybe not the player who will be arriving at the Kairas in the next fortnight or so. But no. Vadine no, Oliver. But, yeah, Vadine Oliver. What I would say on Palmer before you go on to Vadine Oliver, look, he's had 16 games in League One this season and has four goals, two of which are penalties. So, you know, this transformative player... Well, I think... I, you know, That's what I'd say myself, Nath. I think that there's this danger that just because someone's from League One, you think they're amazing. James Jones, hello, I'm talking about you. They <laughs> don't necessarily, just because they're coming from a decent league or a team which is, you know, XX amount of places ahead of us, that doesn't mean anything. It means nothing at all. That's why I've said, and I said that on the earlier podcast, we should be trying to weaken one of our rivals in non-league probably, you know, and just trying to get players who are going to cut it at this level, who can hit the ground running and who, who know what it's all about. You can't have players coming down here and having a culture shock in January because you, if you're going to make anything of this season, you need someone to come in right away and to, to hit the ground running and be able to adapt to the way we're playing, etc. And I do feel that it's this, this dangerous narrative of, oh, we signed a player from League One, so he must be amazing. It just doesn't work like that. And you know we've had so many players in the past who we've got from teams who, who look decent. You get someone who's got you know an old like a top team on their their CV or whatever, but ultimately there'll be a reason why they're joining Wrexham. And Ollie Palmer, for me, I hope I'm wrong, but even if he did sign, like you said, he's not exactly the player I'm excited about. But then maybe, on the contrary, 
we don't need another exciting striker. We've got him. We've got Paul Mullin. We need someone up there to help him, to hold the ball up, to make sure Mullen's getting the ball in the right place. And to me, that is you can see why the Vadim Oliver interest is there as well, because you know, he's a bit lethargic. He's a, a striker who, you know, on his off days will annoy fans, but when he's on it, he can change games and he gives you that out ball, he gives you that plan B, you know, all the cliches. Thirty year olds, Parkinson likes him. Uh, himself at Gillingham right now. Yeah. It's an interesting one, and to me, he seems to be the one who's who's more achievable than Oli Palmer this month. Nathan, what's the latest on Vadim Oliver that you've heard? Yeah, so you know, looking at people, or looking looking at the situation at Gillingham and speaking to people around the club, again, they're another side that have been hit really badly by by the pandemic and the kind of the financial woo that comes with playing behind closed doors. They're they're a team on the slide. You know, he's playing in a bad team. What I would say about Vadim Oliver, he's got good size. And and from the, the people in the game that I spoke to, they said he would rip it up at this level, which we know, as you just sort of said, Rich, it, it doesn't work like that all the time. But they, they were insistent to me when I when I went back to them with that retort that, no, he is, he is a very good player that would rip it up at that level. What I would say when you look at it, and I know you can't just look at the stats in isolation in black and white, but what I would say is Vadim Oliver has one one league goal in League One since um since September. So he had a really hot start, four goals in, in, in a matter of games. I think it was sort of four goals in the space of about five, six games. But but then he's he's got one league goal. I know Gillingham is struggling. Um the other but, thing but, as well, Nath, uh, is the on. fact that like we said, there's so much mitigation. Buying a player doesn't just rely on your new throwing the money at the club they've got to be able to get a replacement covid protocols mean that lots of teams are, are reluctant to sell players anyway and the other other issue for gillingham is that bolton have, have bid for their captain kyle dempsey you know they they could lose their most important player this month anyway mm-hmm. and you wonder can they afford to lose other players as well because uh, you know gillingham have said that this bid for their captain from bolton isn't credible enough they, there needs to be more money it's you know it's a bit of a nonsense bid just to test the waters but mm. Can you really see a team who are already struggling selling their captain and then a striker in the same window? They might choose one or the other, but again, that's another that's another factor that maybe fans, when you look at a rumour, you can't always consider. But then when you think about it, from their point of view, losing two players in one month, that could be that could be curtains for them really. So there's so much mitigation and you know, we've already seen with the rumours and, and the way that it's dragged on. Wrexham promised they'd be getting their business done early this month. Mm. We're recording this on the 19th. There are no new signings. You know, fingers crossed, touch wood, whatever. Which, which makes me think, Rich, soon. which makes me think, which makes me think that things have just haven't gone to plan. They yeah, just haven't. Exactly. They, 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 you know, you speak to people and they say, look, it's all under control. And I think, I think Harvey coming out and giving that interview was in a way someone was a friend you know close to the show said that it was it was meant to be reassuring fans but if anything i think it for me it just seemed like a needless i don't know and it, it, like, it seemed like an like impromptu interview yeah. it might well, have been planned like but it seemed impromptu and control the fires really and trying to yeah. appease fans like you said i don't think that's part of the strategy when he's already done dragon heart a month or two before i didn't think so this big january and yeah i think Hopefully we see this in a future documentary because to me it sounds like behind the scenes it's a lot more complicated than we thought. And another thing which we both know from speaking to agents is everyone knows Wrexham have money now. And yeah, 
Yeah. It's not just buying a player, it's having to find that sort of balance between buying the right player but buying them for an affordable price and something that, you know, is sustainable and isn't ridiculous and you can't be bringing a player in on massive wages and maybe even a deal which could in turn, and hopefully this gets vetted when you buy a player anyway, leads them to joining for the wrong reasons. You don't want to... Yeah. The money is crucial to getting some bigger players here, but... If that's the only reason they're joining, then you're already sort of buying a mercenary figure who shouldn't be joining you. And it just reminds me of like, obviously covering United, sort of like Alexis Sanchez, yeah. those sort of players who came and didn't do anything. And they were January signings as well, Alexis Sanchez. What, so. what I would say about Vadine Oliver is that you're talking about the, the captain Dempsey and Oliver. Obviously, they don't want to lose both, but Oliver is out of contract in June. So what I would say is that they risk losing him anyway if they go down. They're currently going down with him. You know, do they go down with a? Do, do they basically resign themselves to that relegation with a hundred eighty thousand in the pocket, and then does he go and secure a lucrative two-year deal on two and a half grand a week, three grand a week? It's you know he's thirty now, and he'll be looking at trying to get one more big deal. I think yeah, that's the kind of age, isn't it? Thirty where players trying to get off maybe one-year deals and trying to trying to get one more lucrative payday. So you'd have to look at Oliver. But I, the fact Parkey name-checked him, I saw some people say, oh, it's a red herring, you know, from the actual target. That would be an odd strategy to me if that's a red herring. You know, he quite clearly responded to that rumour. Um, and, and look, I, I, as much as Vadine Oliver, we don't watch them do regularly, Rich, and so we'd have to try and... You know, if if they sign, if he signs or Ollie Palmer, then there's podcasts around Gillingham and, and Wimbledon that could give us a lot more in depth knowledge on these players. But on the face of it, the black and white stats, it, it's it, it doesn't look transformative like say a midfielder could do, which it, which feels crucial. We came into the window needing a midfielder, and and I have to say, if we come out of the window, a lot can change in the next eleven, twelve days. But if we come out of the window without that midfielder, I do wonder why. Because it's it's quite clear to everyone that watches Wrexham that the midfield, even against Folkestone, even though we put five past and played some, I described it as liquid football on the Twitter account at Rob Ryan Red uh, on Twitter. I described it as liquid football on there for one of the goals. I think it was the second or third goal. But but the midfield was was at times exposed again. I thought, uh, and and so a lot of talk wasn't there, Rich, about Joe Spara. He was one that maybe players uh, players that fans were quite keen on. Um, yeah. and you quite liked the idea of Spire as well didn't you yeah like I said we've seen him already this season and I think fans as well just being able to sort of see the impact he has in other matches he's a player who again maybe you do put him in that sort of Ollie Palmer bracket I know he's at Solihull and it's easier to probably prize a player away from there and like I said he fits my criteria of trying to weaken play of a team at our level as well but again Nath, as you can sort of elaborate on Spire is a player who you know, there's the option. He's maybe not an option, but he's a player that you know, lots of teams are interested in. But again, not one who's in an immediate rush to move this month. As far as I'm aware, Spara's Spara's opinion of himself right now is that he feels like he can. He's he's got a better chance of securing the deal he wants in the summer. You know, he's quite content at Solihull right now. They're in in around the playoff mix, and Neil Ardley's improving things there. And from what I'm aware, Wrexham and Spara, that that trail has gone quite cold. 
you know, there was discussions between Parkinson and and representatives in December. You know, a call was made in December, which I think I've mentioned previously on the podcast about, you know, the, in the December, Parky was kind of feel out the situation um, and the mood around Spar and his team was that Parky was doing that for lots of players. And, and, and yeah, that trail's gone cold now, which I think, you know, would be a shame. It can it can be ignited at any moment. These are always the risks you run with talking about transfers, rich as we know, and we've been burned and, and we've been celebrated before for various things. But what I would look at that and say, you know, 11 league goals for Joe Sparrow this year from midfield. Now, concerns around people around him are concerned that maybe Jordan Davis and Joe Sparrow clash in terms of the midfield that they would want to play. Neither really wants to sit deep. Both are attacking midfielders. So it would be tricky in that sense. But look, he's 11 league goals, got, got more than Mullin, one more than Paul Mullin. Admittedly played a few more games. You know, fifth highest scorer in the league. And I look above that and they're all strikers. You know, Shamanga's top scorer, as we know, 21 league goals. Michael Cheek at Bromley, who wrecked some years back, I think we're trying to get. 15 league goals. Ty- Tavon Campbell at Woking, winger at Woking, 13 league goals. And Kyle Wooten, who obviously scored against us uh, on the 2nd of January with 12 goals for Notts County. So, you know, he's in good company there, Joe Sparrow. The, you know, the highest scoring a non-striker in the league. But as far as I know, that trail has gone cold and you're more likely with Sparrow. Look, Solihull have, have until May to trigger a 12-month extension on his contract. So I think he's looking at maybe who gets into League 2, what's the League 2 interest, because right now he feels with Solihull he's quite happy there and he's not going to force a move. And it seems like we've gone quite quiet in trying to get him. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. There's so much mitigation, isn't it, as well? And... We'll come into some other names in a minute as well, but I think when you get deeper into the window as well, that's maybe when you might start trying to pull phase around former clubs and look at loan deals as well. So I'd say watch this space in terms of maybe some the, some league loans coming in, maybe under 23s players. You know, when you sort of have to scrape the barrel a bit, that's when they get under consideration. So there might be someone who's you know ripping it up in a development league who who could be making their way to the race course soon as well. That's one to keep a keep a lookout for. Um, a sort of a brief rumour that we've seen is uh, Armand Nanule, the heart striker, but that one seems dead and buried before it's already begun. It looks like he's off to Le Mans in uh, in, in France, French third division. Um, Wrexham and was it Sheffield Wednesday as well, reportedly? So, well, it was talking, it, it was Salford, Sheffield Wednesday, Wrexham. I mean, it was all, it was all there and, and within about two hours... He's off back into the French third division. I, one one goal in sixteen games, Rich. Um, I mean, it's a great name, isn't it, Armand Nanyule? That would uh, that that'd do well for the the club in terms of the shirt printing. Uh, I wonder how much is it per letter. It used to be quite expensive. I think Nanyule would be. I wonder what he'd get on the back of the shirt. Nanyule in full, Armand. No idea. Who knows? We'll probably never find Who out. That's the we, we, we'll never find out uh, unless we watch Le Mans games. We're never going to find out. I don't think. Preseason friendly. But yeah. It, it just it just it just suggests to me that, that that you know these stories I'll always sort of defend journalists and that story I have no doubt was was true, no doubt there was interest in him. What that says to me is how many strikers are we looking at? You always talk about having four or five per position, Rich. But you know, are we on plan A still? Are we on plans D, E, F? Where are we now? Because as the window ticks by and you know Harvey says things are working behind the scenes, how many players? Are we, are we are we operating on at the minute? Because that that would be the most fascinating thing for me. I don't know the answer to that shock. I don't know the answer to that. 
you know, we're talking about bids in for Oliver, bids in for Palmer. There's also you know, Jamie, these... isn't there, at Maidenhead? Who well, yeah, D- Danny, Danny Cowley at Portsmouth, the Portsmouth boss, he he did speak about Mingy, which was quite interesting. And what he said was he, he's got an injury issue and so he wouldn't be available immediately. So he said it, he thinks clubs that are targeting him, that have expressed an interest in him, will go elsewhere because he's he's, he's facing, you know, a month sidelined or something like that. And so he said, look, if, if a club's willing to look longer term for the rest of the season, then they're going to get a really good player. Maidenhead themselves want to extend that deal. You see Maidenhead beating Chesterfield. Maidenhead want to extend that deal with Mingy. Apparently, Alan Devonshire has been really impressed with him. So, you know, and also the factor is that, that Portsmouth don't really want to sell him unless it was yeah. an offer too good to refuse. But, you know, they're looking at him for the long term. Yeah, well, the other thing as well with Mingy, though, he's only ever played 600 minutes of senior football in his whole career at the age of 21. Again, I just wonder if he is that magic one solution. At Maidenhead, they have that sort of feel-good factor because they love being the party poopers at home. They've done it to us. They've done it to Chesterfield. And, you know, there isn't that sort of pressure. But throw him into the Wrexham dressing room where you are expected to win every week. And I just wonder if someone that young and that raw a talent, I wonder if that's even a good move for him. I mean, you know, it, it's a it's an improvement on Maidenhead. We, we all know that. We don't have to spell that out for him. But in terms of his actual next move anyway, you wonder if he would be able to make the impact that, that he's making now at Maidenhead just because, like you said, the Wrexham position that he'd be filling is probably Jordan Davis in a similar role anyway. We don't really, like, we don't really have that sort of player in our midfield anyway. So it's difficult to to actually know what what we're looking at. But like you said, the fact that we're still this position this position now, you know, two almost three weeks into January, that tells you that tells you everything about how difficult it's been and the fact that the primary targets we went for aren't there. You know, like like you know, like you said there, I think for every posi- position you scout four or five people on your shortlist. Um, and you make your way down them as they sort of get ruled out. And I think Wrexham have had to go beyond that. I think we're we're down to sort of, like you said, fifth, sixth, seventh choice in some areas because the striker one, maybe we just not had hard answers and you know, we're, we're being led on a bit by other clubs, not ruling things out categorically. And things can change so quickly because it depends on their own incomings and outgoings anyway. But yeah, just, just disappointed so far because it promised to be such a big window. And uh, while we're on the subject as well, Nath, as you touched upon, Devontae Redmond out on loan to Kidderminster, as we reported last week. He is eligible to play against West Ham in that big FA Cup tie. Mark Carrington, Russell Penn. I think there'll be quite a few Orexham fans, you know, backing the Kiddie Boys and the Agra Pies for that one. We've done the transfers now. Of course, we'll keep you up to date on them on social media as and when they come. Emails. We've had lots of nice correspondence over the last few weeks. Again, robryanred at gmail.com if you do want to get involved on anything we've ever discussed. We will try to read out as many as we can. And if you've got a few to read out now. Yeah, as we said then, you know, with the Jamie Tolley interview and all that sort of um, jazz, I couldn't get around to reading emails, but one of them, with brilliant email, really struck a chord with me. It's about a woman called Lizzie. So this is from Neil, her partner, and he's been really keen to point out that he's a big fan of the pod, and, and I know that Neil's a big supporter of the podcast and the Twitter account at Rob Ryan Red, and on Facebook as well. And he's told me this story, Rich, about how Lizzie, last year she was bedbound due to a debilitating illness, you know, 
really, really tricky time for both of them. And this March, he's running a half marathon at Heaton Park, and he just wanted to say that he's really proud of her. He's got to listen to the podcast. He's trying to get her into Wrexham AFC. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of uh, keeping her occupied every week in terms of listening to the, the, what, the ins and outs, unfortunately, for her. And like you said, apologies, this isn't cool. Don't worry, Neil. It's very cool. Uh, it's great to see you supporting your partner. And he just said it would be great if the Wrexham community um, knew that he was proud of her and, and wanted to support. So Lizzie, all the best in March at Heaton Park with the marathon. I think that's amazing. Proper inspiration, that's what he says. And I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, and maybe if we can get a link for that as well, put in the bio. Um, so if anyone wants to donate or if anyone wants to get involved, we can we can do that. If not, we'll at least put it on our socials as well. So yeah, all all the best for that. And yeah, that's fantastic. You know, more yeah, it puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? We're complaining that Ollie Palmer's not signing, but some things are much bigger in life than than Rex Football Club. But it's so nice to know that that the football and that side of things can be a solace as well and a nice bit of escapism. The other one, Rich, that I thought was quite interesting. Uh, it's t- titled Confession by uh, a Mr. Nick Chapman. Hope you don't mind me reading that out, Nick. Uh, he put, hi, Rich. Hi, Nathan. Uh, just listened to episode 47 of the podcast and wanted to confess that I was the guy who shouted at Nathan, I love the pod on the way out of Barnet. So there you go, Rich. There's the answer to that. Neil Nick Chapman. He said, and yes, Nathan has a certain recognisable appearance, whereas it's not so easy for a stranger to identify Rich. I did wonder if it was Rich with you as you walked away, and sorry for not recognising sooner. Rich, I'm thinking pink hair for the future. Still loving the pod. Please keep up the great work. Best wishes for 2022, and here's hoping for a strong finish to the season. I'll look out for you both at a future game. So, I mean, you've heard the man, Rich. What do we think? Pink hair or mohawk or what do we think? Got to be done, you. People like Nick have got to be recognising you, you know? They have, haven't they? I mean... (laughs) Who knows? I mean, I'm not going to make any promises on air just to um, say <laughs> if Ollie Palmer signs, I'll have pink hair for the rest of the season or anything like that because it can only end badly, can't it? But it'll be under consideration. I'll try to think of a way. I, I mean, speaking of ways to distinguish myself, I was I was saying, well, maybe I could wear like a recognisable piece of clothing or whatever. My, um, the Tommy Kaus hat, as I call it, that Spirit of 58 um, white bobble hat that Tommy Kaus wears in some of his videos, I've got one of them. And today it went in the wash and disintegrated into smithereens. So, yeah, if anyone knows how to, like, unstretch acrylic, please do email the podcast because I've had an absolute mare there with my favourite hat. But, uh, you know, it brings us on nicely, doesn't it, Nath? Because we will be back at the race course soon as well when, you know, we've had the, the restrictions lifted as well. And, yeah, I can't wait for that Grimsby game. Yeovil away this weekend. Revenge needed after we had that defeat to them, the first home league defeat of the season. Grimsby away, and there's a lot of familiar faces, aren't there? Luke Waterfall, Sean Pearson, Jordan Maguire-Drew. I hate those sort of games. I hate whenever <laughs> we play against someone who, who used to play for us. Reminds me of when Dan Holman scored for Aldershot after like two minutes or something, after we'd let him go and, and wasted his talents. And yeah, I, it just always fills me with dread whenever I see a former Wrexham player in the starting lineup. Well, you know, what a former Wrexham player it will be coming up against us soon in the FA Trophy. And he tweeted the account, Rich, a certain Jamal Fifield at Boreham Wood. Obviously, we got drawn against Boreham Wood in the FA Trophy at the race course, February 12th. Scott Bowden in that team as well. There's lots of former... I mean, maybe it's just kind of conducive at this level that you get lots of former players that you come up against. But, yeah, Grimsby, we're looking at 
Sean Pearce and Luke Waterfall, as you say, and Jordan Maguire drew. I spoke to um, Elliot Jackson of Grimsby Town Live, Grimsby Telegraph, ins and outs, the eyes and ears of the club for the supporters. And here is what he had to tell me about the Mariners. Elliot, thanks for coming on. Obviously, Elliot, uh, writer, the, the eyes and ears of the fans at Grimsby, Grimsby Town Live. Elliot, obviously, we're, we're talking now before the weekend game. We're looking ahead to that Tuesday game. Where do you think Grimsby are at now? Because before we, before we came on, I was saying about that that game at Grimsby uh, at Grimsby when we got sort of ripped apart, and, and Phil Parkinson was saying that we didn't really compete on the night. Where are Grimsby at now in terms of the squad and and kind of the mood around the club? Yeah, I think since the two teams met last time, I think there's definitely been obviously Grimsby have on a been on a, a pretty bad run between then and there. Um, overall, given the fact that they were top of the league. Uh, or there or thereabouts when, when the two teams last played and now of course they're, they're outside the playoff places but in terms of sort of the last month of action um, Grimsby have, have turned a bit of a corner really although it's um, two wins in 12 games the last three or four performances certainly in the National League have been much improved um, they played Halifax in back-to-back games in the first games of 2022 and should have taken at least four points from those two fixtures only got the one that and they absolutely battered them, in particular the Bundle Park game, and then were, were unlucky to lose at the Shea um, down to a down to a penalty kick in the second half. So they were better, certainly better, we've seen better performances from Grimsby, um, and then they they obviously beat Altrincham two 0 at the weekend, which was a game that again Grimsby dominated and, and two wonder goals and sort of settled that one. So it's, there's there's a bit of a feeling that they start to turn a corner. Um, they signed three new players already this month in. Uh, two defenders to, to help fill the void after a few lone players return to their parent clubs and uh, a midfielder in Scott Burgess and they're still looking to, to do some business this month. A forward is definitely the, the priority if you asked any supporter um, and the club are, are pursuing that because it's very much been a case of Grimsby seasons where they've got into the right areas, had plenty of territory um, but just having that final finish at the end, certainly when John McAtee hasn't played, that, that's been the big issue for Grimsby which has seen them slide down the table. Yeah, I was looking at a table um, this week of someone had compiled on Twitter about you know chances created. I think Grimsby were third or or fourth. They were above Wrexham in 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 the kind of chances created. But clearly, yeah, similarly to ourselves, we're looking at another forward or two coming in this window. When you're speaking to Paul Hurst, are you anticipating a busy end to the window, or you you know are you anticipating anybody coming in in the next say week? Yeah, well, we'll be speaking to Paul tomorrow um, for press on Thursday ahead of the game on Saturday against Bromley, um, which should be a good game, another game between two teams that are obviously trying to finish in the playoffs this season. And uh, Bromley aren't too far away from automatics, to be fair, either. So we'll speak to Paul tomorrow, so we'll get an update on, on the transfer from there. But I'm definitely expecting some more business towards the back end of the window. As I say, a forward would definitely be a priority. Uh, also looking to bring in a, another midfielder after Alex Hunt went back to Sheffield Wednesday. Um, and potentially a right-back as well, depending on how bad Mitchie Effort's injury is, which he picked up at Halifax. Looking at, you know, there are a few familiar faces. I don't know how much game time they're getting. I'm sure you'll enlighten us. But Wrexham fans obviously know Jordan Maguire-Drew quite well from the time when he was with Sam Ricketts, that, those, those kind of turbulent few months um, after, after he went and, and then it kind of didn't work out for him in the end. Luke Waterfall we had at centre-back and he obviously scored in that in that reverse game and Sean Pearson, one of you know Wrexham's 
most favourite fans, most favourite player uh, in recent years. He, he's obviously gone back to Grimsby. How are those three getting on and are they sort of playing a key role or, or are they on the periphery? No, all three of them are playing regularly, yeah. Um, in the case of Luke Waterfall, he's played pretty much every minute this season. He's his vice-captain and often captain if Giles Coke isn't on the pitch. So he's an integral part of their defence and probably their number one centre-back right now. Um, Sean Pearson started the season really well and he was in the team, but dropped out when Grimsby had their sort of best run of the season. Um, Riley Powler, who was on loan from Bristol City, he was playing alongside Waterfall. But he went back to, to Bristol City at the end of December. So since then, Sean Pearson's come in and he's been really good, to be fair. He's, I would probably say in the last month, his form's been better than Waterfall's. So it will definitely be those two starting at centre-back uh, on Tuesday night, unless there's any injuries or anything that we're not aware of at this stage. But otherwise, it will be them two at centre-back against Wrexham. Um, and then Jordan Maguire-Drew came into the club as a free transfer sort of mid-November time now, I think, if, if memory serves me correct after a bit of an ill-fated spell at uh, Woking. He only lasted um, three months there after signing a free transfer in the summer. And, and he's been good. Um, he, he scored an absolute screamer at the weekend. And we're starting to see now the more minutes he's playing, the fitter he's starting to get. Um, he's got real quality in his left foot, plays on the right-hand side as an inverted winger. And he just offers something a little bit different to what Grinsby have got in their other wide players. Players like Enrico Souza and, and Max Wright are much better ball carriers. Um, people who can get them up the pitch and, and use the speed and take people on, whereas Maguire Drew's a bit more of a playmaker playing on that right-hand side where he'll, he'll come inside and try and link play um, with McAtee and, and whoever's on the left-hand side as well. So all three of them have been really important players and, and I would expect, if you asked me now, I would expect all three of those to start against Wrexham on Tuesday. What kind of formation are we looking at now? Has there been any evolution in, in, in your side? Because from Rexham's point of view, it's it's been a sort of a three-five-two or a five-three-two. However, optimistic or pessimistic you look at it, it's been that sort of back three, back five all season. Uh, what, what can kind of Rexham fans who maybe didn't see the reverse game expect sort of on Tuesday night? Yeah, when everyone's available, it's it's been four-two-three-one uh, this season with uh, two midfielders screened in front and, and John McAtee playing at the number ten position behind Ryan Taylor and two wide players that has deviated slightly when, when McAtee was unavailable and they played they did play 3-5-2 and they have done on a couple of occasions but when everyone's fit and available which touch wood they pretty much are at the moment um, Paul Hurst's favourite system is definitely 4-2-3-1 Two more then McAtee there's a lot of hype around him at the minute I've seen lots of his kind of goal clips on Twitter is he the, the real danger man? That the, the Wrexham have got to really keep it in check because if he doesn't, he looks like he's punished quite a few teams at this division. Yeah, he's without doubt their best player and that's certainly the most influential going forward. When when I'm talking about that run where Grimsby fell away from league leaders to outside the playoffs, he played. He started one match during that period of time and that was because of an injury initially. And then during the game, he did start away at Dagenham Redbridge. He got sent off. So prior to the weekend, he'd only started one game since October the 23rd, I think it is. Um, so two games since then. And he's been the big miss. He's the best player. He's the person that, as well as being the top goal scorer, he, he's just the, the chief creator as well. They, they, there was certainly a drop-off in terms of the quality of chances that were being created. And then also the the um, the quality of the finishing as well. So it was sort of a double-edged sword, which definitely was a major factor in why Grimsby struggled during that period and it's no surprise that he'd fit again, he's back in the team and performances have certainly started to be better uh, and results have turned a bit of a corner as well in the last sort of three or four league games. 
lastly then, because we've got a bit of a crisis of confidence on our side in terms of where we can realistically finish and, you know, can we still make a push for the title? You were top Grimsby, we were up there at the beginning and kind of fell away. What's the mood in the fan base now or, you know, in and around the club? Is it just trying to get into the playoffs? Do you still think you can put that run together? What's the kind of feeling around Blunder Park? Playoffs, definitely. That's, that's where the club are targeting, I think. Paul Hurst and the owners, Jason Stockwood, have come out since and said that the fast start almost um, raised expectations to a level that probably wasn't a fair alignment of where the club are at at the minute. So definitely finishing the top seven is, is the priority for Grimsby. Um, and I think certainly on the performances they've had recently against the better teams, I'll say that, that double header against Halifax they had recently, they, they absolutely battered Halifax in, in that home game at Bundle Park. And I don't think there's a Halifax fan out there who wouldn't agree with that um, and then it was a bit more of an even game at the Shea that they lost narrowly but again another game that they should have taken a point from so I think we've seen they can definitely compete with the best sides in, in the division um, and I think playoffs are, are definitely a, an, a target that they should be achieving really the thing that could let them down is the performances against the so-called lesser sides rather than those against the, top, the teams at the top of the division Yeah, it was, it was a result away at Aldershot which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. Yeah. That was that was one that stood out. But look, Tuesday night should be an exciting game. Wrexham are away at Yeovil on the Saturday. But Tuesday, you know, return of Sean Pearson, they'll get a great reception. I'm not so sure Jordan Maguire will get the same kind of ovation, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. And it, maybe it's a, a nod to a playoff game coming up. We, we've got to try and put in a better display. So thanks very much for, for kind of the insight, uh, Elliot. And uh, yeah, all the best for the rest of the season. So as you can imagine, Rich... We're going to come up against Maguire, Drew, and I joked in the chat with um, with Elliot. I don't think I'm just going to take a hedge my bets. I don't think Joel Maguire Drew is going to get quite the same reception that Sean Pearson probably will. Luke Waterfall's a bit of an odd one because he didn't play huge minutes for us today. I don't think so. He he, he did not really lasted in long in the memory. No, but yeah, well, Sean. I think he. I think Luke Waterfall joined in that January window where we all already that the only thing we had going for us was a really strong defence. Of course, he went mm. to Lincoln and had that incredible FA Cup run and you amazing. Know, you know, he's he's amazing. He really established himself, you know, higher up the leagues as well in in that regard. But yeah, I remember when we went when Newmy did late in Orient away that the season they went up and Maguire Drew played that day as well and he got taunted from the away end in that game so I can't imagine like you said it's going to be a very welcome like a welcome home for him but yeah Sean Pearson I think everyone will, will be delighted to see him in action and you know that, that farewell that we never got really you know because of the curtailed season and then being behind closed doors and stuff it'd be you know it will be nice to have maybe the closure on that let's hope it's the closure of him trudging off after defeat at the end of it though but yeah, I can't wait to be back at the Kairas and I think like you know, so many other people it's just real downer because the festive football in particular in particular is usually the best part of the year, isn't it? So to have that taken away from us was a real kick in the teeth, but we will be back. Yeah, home games are key, Rich. Home games are key now because we've got lots of them to come. You know, we've played a lot of away games, just the way they've fallen. Grimsby's a tricky one at home. You know, we saw how we got on against Chesterfield. I know Grimsby have have had a down patch, but they're still well, a good Grimsby team. Away. We were so yeah. bad from set well, pieces in that one, weren't yeah. we? And the Waterfall scores. Yeah. Luke Waterfall scores in that game. And and as you heard Elliot say in that chat that, you know, Sean Pearson has been out of the team for a long while in that winning run, but he's come back in and he's arguably been in better form than Luke Waterfall. And they'll be playing together at centre back, he thinks, barring any last minute injuries uh, after the weekend. And John Maguire Drew scores a screamer 
against Altrincham and, and he's getting fitter by the game and again he he's likely to start in in what he believes will be a four two three one formation. You know, Joe Maguire drew off the right. Uh, will it be Lionel John Lewis? His name is a shop up front. Probably not, but I hope it is just for the chance. Um, it's it's a big game, Rich, because like you say, we played so poorly away at Grimsby that we need to. We just need to get back into the swing of it now. It's it's going to be busy. You know, Paul Mullins had a rest. Parky came out and said that he trained and they're going to see and they're going to see how Harry Lennon is because his back's been causing issues. You, know, you hope you can get both of those back for for these important games coming up. And then it's Maidenhead. We'll be back before then, no doubt. But Maidenhead again, a, a tricky old team. They're, they're getting results against the big boys. So look, Yeovil away is not going to be easy at all. I think there'll be about 700 plus Reds down there, which would be amazing support. It's, oh, it's hard to say, isn't it, Rich? I mean, you put the question out on, on Twitter. As things stand now, you know, Chesterfield lose. Uh, who do they lose to? Woking and, and Stockport win. They beat Eastley. Wrexham at eighth. What do people think? What do you? What, what can you tell us? What was the mood? You got lots of responses, didn't you, on, on Twitter when you put that out? How do you feel? Where are Wrexham going to finish? What do you think? And yeah, maybe you can give us a flavour of, of some of the people that have that have got in touch. Yeah. So well, I was just scrolling through social media, I always look. There's so many. Fly. Yeah. I, was, I always like to put the table after we've not played or after there's been games anyway, just so you can sort of have that visual look at what you know how things stand because you know like we said. A few weeks ago, we were maybe getting a bit carried away and saying, well, we're within touching distance of the top. As things stand now, we are eight points behind Halifax, although we have got a game in hand. You've got a team like Boreham Wood, who are already three points ahead of us in fourth, and they still have two games extra to play as well. So if they win both of them, then they would go top. You know, there's there's so much mitigation. And, you know, the cliche, most managers say what? Well, say that they'd rather have played the games and then the pressure's on someone else to catch up anyway. So as things stand, Wrexham at eighth heading into this weekend against Yeovil. And like I said, we did ask fans on social media to predict where they think Wrexham will finish this season. We have had a lot of responses, as Nave said, so we won't be able to get through all of them, but we'll try and get through as many as we can. And Nave, I will be asking you to jump in at some point and, and help me with these because I might lose my voice because there is a, there is a lot to get through. Um, Colin Boots friend of the podcast said very tough last three games so we will need to have a good run in february and march with lots of home games coming up though i reckon we could finish third this season craig jones says i'm always pessimistic so i'm going for fifth although he finished it with an explanation mark so maybe he's not as pessimistic <laughs> as he thinks there um richard lowe says assuming we can get new signings top three definitely you can see halifax Borenwood, bromley falling away anyway and i'll also include this one from ACH56, he says, eighth as we are now, which is where Keats finished in 2020-21 with no money. Stockport under Chandler, Chandler to win it. Oof. Stockport look good, I'll give you that. They, they really sort of turned a corner now. I've got one by Jonah Devitt, who says, I fear we'll Wrexham the transfer window and bottle it. Wow, it's, you know, I, I was pleading for Wrexham to become a verb, wasn't I? Uh, to Wrexham something earlier in the season. Um, he's put saying that I do think the strategy has always been about next season and building for that this season I'd take the playoffs anywhere again to be honest and hopefully the FA Trophy to keep going maybe all the way that's going to be tough against uh, Boreham Wood there's one by Tez Red uh, he's got a brilliant profile picture um, of where are we now Tez Red I don't know it looks it looks absolutely picturesque if you ever see Tez Red uh, he's put playoffs 6th 
There are strong teams in the top seven and we may just fall short. Chesterfield and Stockport, for example, seem to have outmaneuvered us in the transfer market. They appear to have balanced teams. We have signed some quality but missed out in the key midfield area. And I'll read this one out by Lewis Hunt. He's put, I think we've got the team to get into the playoffs, but I still believe it'll be down to the tactics that we play. Too many home games, we drop points by not being aggressive and killing off teams. A real mixed bag, isn't it, Rich? It's yeah. Some people think we've maybe got the tools at the disposal, some don't. Some feel I that guess, maybe we've been outmaneuvered in the transfer market. Yeah, and I guess one to wrap it all up together is a league apart movie, say... I think a lot depends on what deals we can secure in the next couple of weeks. If no one, then 7th or 8th looks likely. But if we can bring in a couple of quality midfielders and another striker, then it's 3rd or 4th. And like you said, it, it just so much depends on the transfer window. And so there's much. so much pressure on that. And we started this podcast whinging about no new signings. And yeah, the pessimism grows really, doesn't it? Because time is running out. We've had so what is it maybe two thirds of the transfer window now and just just under that no new faces and yeah the the more desperate we get the more money teams can ask for because they know yeah. that we've not added and yeah i just but rich like rich rich before we come back before we're back after that grimsby game so we'll have um also quickly very quickly while i remember someone asked me dm me about Twitter spaces. We took a bit of a break, FA Trophy and various other commitments. We will be back with those uh, very soon with the league games. So expect to listen to us and th- that kind of phone in post-match reaction and we'll see who maybe we can get on there and see if we can get anyone from the squad. That'd be great, wouldn't it, after that Paul Mullin one. Um, what I would say, Rich, is before we come back, we're going to be back on recording, say, th- this time next week. Do you expect to see any signings by then? That will take us through to, or will that be then the 26th? of January, it's you'd have to feel that there'd be one in before then, surely. Yeah, the, I, the, I think that you, you maybe even have to drop your standards lower in one position just to appease fans and get a new face in, really. You know, it can be quite a quick quite a quick fix in a way to, you know, get fans back on board and to, and to lift the mood, and particularly if we were to drop points this weekend or, or whatever. But yeah, the Friday signings, we all love them, don't we? And fingers crossed we get one this week give us that lift heading into Yeovil, even if they aren't registered in time, just feel like the club are actually moving in the right direction. That's all we want to see, really, isn't it? Like we said, it's a month that's promised so much, but has delivered so little. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I've, I've, I've become like this sycophant now with, with Charlie Trafford. Could you imagine if they've been holding him back all this time because they've been lulling people into a false sense of security and then they'll just unleash him and he'll be this transformative midfielder that will just like take the division by storm no that's probably in like a, an alter you can't imagine that it's like some maybe it's just because i watch spider-man and I'm, I'm seeing this like multi-universe or what the multiverse maybe maybe in another universe charlie trafford is like a ballon d'or winner like the maybe, another, Modric trans- maybe or something. In another universe wrecks and by players <laughs> maybe yeah maybe this maybe they actually splash the cash what i would say finally I, I think we will have and that's just my opinion i think we will have somebody in by the this time week. we sit down and do another yeah by the time yeah. we sit down and do another podcast i think somebody probably won't be in before that yeovil game i'm not sure they will i think somebody will probably be in before that grimsby game whether they play or not but i think i think somebody will be in on that monday i've just got to feeling about monday manic monday maybe and i look at it and go it's you just need a new you need a new face but you just need someone that that because every everyone will get scrutinized rich you know what i mean every every player 
you just need a midfielder. I just think, you know, one, you don't really know, one player could really have a transformative effect. It doesn't need to be Luka Modric or an absolute world beater. Well, but Brad Walker, someone yeah, like that. If you, look you at get that. someone in yeah. to shore up the entire midfield, then it gives the, the midfielders already here more freedom to push forward. It, it lessens the burden on someone like Paul Mullins have to drop back. And like you said, it can take, It can sometimes it is only one player you need to change everything to, to really galvanise the team. And again, I'll bring it back to Man United, but Bruno Fernandes, you know, two, two Januarys ago, completely changed their fortunes and you know that was revolutionary signing of course we don't we're not going to buy players that ilk but it only takes that one midfielder to to really give us that lift and to like you said put us on on the right course for the end of the season it's just a case of actually getting them now yeah and, and this is a conversation for another day but i'm actually and i was thinking about this today in the supermarket of all things i was thinking about phil parkinson's situation rich again this is one for after the window but you know, Parky's on a deal, isn't he, until the end of the season? I'd be fascinated to know when there's a review into that, and and whether you know whether he decides he want he wants to stick on and stay on and and go again next season. If they make the playoffs, or they don't make the playoffs. Is it all down to promotion? I don't think it is. But you know, that's a that's a really interesting one. You know, is he is he getting the targets he wants? Have uh, uh, we just been slowing? You know, has, is Vadine Oliver is number one? Is Oli Palmer is number one? The fact that he went to watch Oli Palmer in person himself in the middle of the week suggests to me that he is high. So high on that list. So fingers crossed, Rich. That's all we can do. Cross our fingers. Um, keep an eye on the Twitter, which is what we will do. And thanks again for all the support on the Twitter. Nearly at 3,000 followers, which amazing, Rich, isn't it? You know, just kind of starting it from scratch. And it's really great to hear that people are enjoying the podcast and, you know, 51 episodes now. And counting, twenty twenty two is up and running. Rich, oh, it's a it's a big old week, isn't it? Three games, it's uh, or the the two games, and then obviously we'll, we'll look ahead to Maiden there. But two huge games, isn't it? Yeovil, Grimsby. Before I let you go, what do you think points wise? What do we think? I don't need exact results. Do you think we'll get four or six, one? What do you think? Two, two draws. Two, two draws. My mood's just down. But yeah, when we sign someone on Friday, I'll be I'll be up for it. But like I said, this is this is this is the moment where our season, you know, is the season defining moments. Is that, that yeah. video yeah. has been going on social media saying, let's just hope. I mean, win, lose or draw, we'll be here. Rob Brown, Red, all the way for you until the end of the season and for the foreseeable future as well. As Nave said, thank you very much for listening today. Bit of a bumper one. Thanks, especially if you did make it to the end. Please leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already, and we will see you again next time the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges honesty is key in any relationship if your friend asks you how you are feeling tell them honestly if you're going through a difficult time let them know open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.